Hi, this is Joel Scrivener, pastor of Oaks Church in McKinney, Texas. And I wanted to say thank you so much for listening, sharing, and supporting our podcast. I know that today's message is going to inspire you, challenge you, and empower you to fearlessly follow Jesus like never before. Now, let's check out today's message. Right, so I'm just going to show you who I am, and if you don't like me, then it's then it's less painful for me in the long run. So, uh, anyway, praise the Lord. Um, but but I'm going to share some things from my heart. I'm going to share some things from my past and some things that I've walked through. Um, I was. Uh, 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 I was a kid that went through some stuff and I became very angry. You'll understand why in a little bit. I became very violent. Uh, I would fight at the drop of a hat. Um, I had a rage inside of me and that I carried that through my life. I carried that into my marriage. My wife also has a, a rage inside of her. Um, and, and, you know, when you've got a couple people that have some hurts from the past and they bring that into marriage, um, it's kind of like if Batman marries Catwoman, it's just rabies and claws and just, you know, I mean, it can, it can be blow ups and stuff like that. And Sydney can be like, what is going on downstairs? And it's just like, shh, don't say anything right now. Just move forward. Right. I mean, it's, it, it can be volatile at times when you've got hurt people that are working through some stuff. Um, I wish I could tell you that you have a perfect pastor, but I'm a human being. I'm a human being, and I got stuff that I'm still working on. Um, I have a coach that I talk to. I, I, got, I, I have places that I have safe places, and, and, stu- and, and, and I, I have, uh, you know, I, I go to, to counseling sometimes, and, and my wife and I have people that we can go to and talk to and get help and all that kind of stuff. Aren't you glad? <laughs> uh, I mean, I could just pretend and be fake. Would you rather? Because listen, that, that what happens in life a lot of times as humans is we put on, and, th- and this, I'm, I'm talking to you about this stuff because this whole stronger than theme, it's not about, it's not about some fake mumbo jumbo, uh, psycho babble, you, you can do it, yes you can. It's not, it's not this, that's not what this is. This is a deep dive into God's word, it's a deep dive into who you really are and kind of a deep dive into how many of us are doing it wrong. Because we all wanna project something and show how strong we are and a lot of times it's fake. It's a hard candy shell and inside we're just mush and insecurity and we put on a facade and we put up these walls. So I was five years old, and my parents were in a bind. So they asked my 18-year-old male cousin to babysit me. And um, they'd never asked him to do it before. And thank God they never asked him to do it again. But that night, my cousin molested me. And it was so traumatic that I buried it in my subconscious and I didn't remember it. Um, And it was about six years later that a boy across the street started trying to do stuff to me. That it triggered in my psyche something. And for three or four nights in a row, 
I began to dream this dream. And in the dream, I was five years old. And it was the night that my cousin was babysitting me. And I was watching myself be molested. And this is back in the 80s. So I'm watching it like on eight millimeter film, like home, like how home movies used to be with the burnt out red images. I'm watching it like it's a home movie in my imagination. Three nights in a row, four nights in a row. And on the fourth night, I wake up watching this dream like it's a movie. And I realize it wasn't, it wasn't a dream, it's a memory. An 11-year-old Joel is overcome with rage and anger. And the next day, I go out to play front yard football with this kid who had started to try to groom me, to do stuff to me. And I tried to murder this kid in the front yard, this rage that came over me. I became extremely violent extremely angry. I would fight at the drop of a hat. When a little boy is molested by a grown man, it messes with them in a pretty severe way. I made a vow to myself I will never let anyone victimize me ever again. It's what um, a lot of inner healing ministers call an unholy inner vow. An unholy inner vow. Because what I, what I didn't realize in my hurt and in my pain in my self-preservation and in, in my childhood self-protection, in this rage and in this hurt, is that I was beginning a very dangerous thing. I was beginning to play God. I'll be my own protector. I can't trust God to protect me. He let this happen to me. See, it messes with your psyche when you're five years old and a grown man does things to you. It makes you think that you're like him. It makes you think that you'll be like that. So now I'm a five-year-old, six-year-old, seven-year-old that doesn't know why he's fully awake sexually. Doesn't know why he's eight years old, nine years old and already fully awake and perverted. Too real? See, this is why I, this is why I can't just laugh and nod and be tolerant with the disgusting agenda of the LGBTQ trans disgusting filth books inside of our schools trans junk inside of our libraries, 
all this filth and stuff. Cancel me right now or show up out front and let's go. I'll fight right now. Put me in jail. I'm the fighting preacher. I'll fight for this stuff. And I'm not talking with words. Guys, I'll throw down for this stuff. You don't mess with someone that's been victimized by a man when they're a child and think that this is just some kind of game. We're going to fight with words. No, if you hear about Joel getting in a fight and ending up in jail, come bail me out because I probably did it. (laughs) I'm that preacher, y'all. I still need Jesus. (laughs) If you hear that I ran off on my wife, that's a stinking lie. But if I got in a fight, probably happened. I mean, I yelled at the ref yesterday at volleyball. My wife's like, shut up, man. I'm like, don't muzzle me, woman. Look, I got some rage in me still. I'm working on issues. (laughs) I'm not perfect. Pray for your pastor for crying out loud. Look, I I, I got no tolerance for perverts that want to groom children because I was that kid. I was that kid. I had to fight for my masculinity. I had to fight for my identity. Proved my whole life that I'm not like that. Messed me up. So I gotta prove to every guy that I'm the coolest, toughest. I gotta prove to every girl that I'm the, I gotta try to make every girl want me. I gotta try to make every guy think I'm cool. See, I told you it was a slippery slope because I start playing God as a little kid to defend myself, to protect myself. But the slippery slope is you start playing God and all of a sudden you start wanting what God wants and what God wants is worship. You start coveting what God wants. See, you can't start playing God in one area without starting to play God in lots of different areas. You become your own protector. Next thing, you become your own provider. Next thing, you become the one who wants all the worship for yourself. Told you I was gonna be real with you today. I was a real mess but God was making something great in me. He let me go through a lot of, a lot of hurt, but he was gonna make something great in me. Can I tell you, maybe he let you go through some hurt too, but he's making something great in you. God is making something great in you. I'm, I'm curious if maybe some of you made some unholy vows when you were young. I'm curious if some of you maybe went through some real hurt, some real hell, and said, I'll never let that happen to me again. I'll never let anyone take advantage of me again. I'll never let, maybe it was an alcoholic father. You said, I'll never be like that. Maybe it was someone that abandoned you and you said, I'll never let that. Maybe maybe you've got these self-defense mechanisms and so you always reject and you always push away because you don't want someone else to be the one that rejects and you push or push you away. So you reject and you sabotage relationship after relationship because you don't want to be the one who gets hurt. So you always are the one that hurts first. Don't know why you keep doing it. Don't know why it's the same cycle over and over and over. And it's because 
You made a vow. It was unholy. You've been playing God ever since. Matthew 5, 1. Jesus saw the crowds. He went up on a mountainside, sat down. His disciples came to him. Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Poor in spirit means that you are aware of how much you need a savior. You're not rich spiritually. You're not self-righteous. You're aware of how much help you need. See, this whole stronger than thing, one of, the, one, of the, one of the most dangerous things that can happen to you as a believer is you start, you start thinking that you're all that spiritually. You start looking down your nose at other believers thinking that you're better than them because of how much you pray or how much you give or how much you fast or how much you serve. And you start looking down your nose at other Christians because you're such a good Christian. That's a dangerous place to be. In fact, those were the people that Jesus had the least tolerance for. Blessed are the poor in spirit, people that know how much they need Jesus. Blessed are those who mourn, for they'll be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they'll inherit the earth. Meek, I love this, meek is not weak, necessarily. Meek is strength under power, it's one of the definitions. Strength under power. But the reality is that sometimes we get messed up because we're trying to find strength in ourselves. And we think that our greatest strength is somehow what we have in ourself. Uh, if you missed last week's message, I don't have time to go back through all of that. You're gonna wanna go and listen online or, or on our YouTube channel. You can watch it. I walked through the story of um, my wife and I losing our first daughter to brain cancer. Um, but I'm gonna share a, a little bit more of that story today. Um, specifically, another another part of my confession. Um, what I just shared with you earlier, um, today's, my f today's my first time to ever share that publicly. Um, so this next part is a little easier for me, because I, but it took me probably a decade and a half to share it. Um, but my first daughter, O'Neal, we've had three girls. Uh, her name, O'Neal, uh, means the champion. And um, our, uh, we, we lost her to, to brain cancer when she was 18 months. The, uh, the wild part of the story is, uh, you, know, you know how it is when you, have your first, when you have your first child, right? You don't know what the heck you're doing and you're scared of everything. And, you know, they, they, they cough one time and you think you got to go to the ER and, you know, all, all this kind of, you know, whatever. And um, by, the time, by the time you have the third one, you know, they, you drop the binky and, and it hits a, a dog mess and you just like wipe it on your jeans and 
you know, toss it back to them, you know, just I'm gonna get over it. Uh, it's just whatever, <laughs> you know, but the first one, you're kind of, you know, a little overly whatever. And, um, and, and I was very involved. I loved being a dad. Um, I, you know, I, I had my two, two off days a week. I watched, uh, I watched her and, um, and I was very involved. And I, I, I literally would rock her and put, I'd put her to sleep every single night and would rock her. And she was just beautiful and perfect in every way. And I prayed the same exact prayer every single night of her life for 11 months. This is the exact prayer, word for word. As I, as, I, as I put her down, after I got her to sleep, as I put her down, I said, Father, I know I can make it through anything in life. But whatever I have to go through, just don't let anything ever happen to her because that's the one thing I know I can't make it through. Every night for 11 months, the same prayer, the same exact words, every night. Oh my God, was I angry. I was so mad at God. The one thing I asked for, anything else, the one thing, the one thing I asked him to spare me, that's what I gotta, that's what I gotta go through. And then we gotta battle cancer, rhabdoid tumor, big as a man's fist inside her little, I mean, imagine a baby's head and the fist is this, tumor's as big as a man's fist in there, crushing her brain. It's horrible. It's horrible. Um, I was so mad. I was so angry, God. And just convinced this is the one thing I can't make it through. Now all of a sudden we're in survival mode, absolute survival mode. And and when she died, I mean, Jennifer just, and you can imagine, I mean, I mean, I mean, she didn't want to live. She's like, Joel, I love you, but I don't want to be here anymore. Man, we had some rough years. So you can imagine how our marriage was uh, pretty tough. Um, they say that it's a 90% divorce rate when a child dies. Um, so the fact that we're still here after 20 years, it's a miracle. It's a miracle. It's a miracle. So it was in that place of weakness, absolute weakness, where I'm saying to God, I'm not strong enough. I can't make it through this. And I can imagine God up there going, yeah, you can. Second Corinthians. This is the revelation God gave me. Second Corinthians 12, 6. Paul is talking. Paul, uh, this is a really funny passage how it starts. 
Paul said, even if I should choose to boast, I would not be a fool because I would be speaking the truth. I'm pretty amazing. That's what Paul's saying. He goes, I'm pretty awesome, really. If I was, if I was gonna boast, I mean, it'd be, it'd be true because I'm awesome. He says, but I refrain so no one will think more than me than is warranted by what I say or because of the surpassingly great revelations that I have. I, I just have so many amazing revelations that I'm just, I mean, I'm so far beyond all of you. I mean, realistically, none of you could possibly keep up with my superior intellect and my surpassing revelations. So if I were to boast, I wouldn't, it would be fair because I'm just that good. This is what Paul's saying. Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, because I'm really that great, <laughs> I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan, to torment me. Three times I pleaded with God, Lord, to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness, in insults, in hardships, persecutions, and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. See, it was, uh, it was the month after my daughter died. Adam uh, was the first person to ask me to come preach. He's doing a little uh, winter fest uh, uh, camp for teenagers. Had about 100 teenagers up there. Uh, his wife was actually there too. I mean, it was Jennifer got to come. I think that's when she met Sarah for the first time. And and can I just be honest, Jennifer and I were an absolute wreck. Our daughter had just died. Um, um, and and I, I mean, I, I'd never been more empty. I'd never been more broken. I didn't know what I believed anymore. Um, but we wanted to go to Colorado and just get away. And he had told the kids, hey, Pastor Joel's coming. And man, um, I'm like, I don't know. What, just, we'll just come and God's gonna, I mean, whatever God... But man, I, I didn't know what I was gonna say and I didn't know what to do and I was so empty. And it was one of the most amazing experiences because in my place of emptiness, God, I mean, I literally, I, we'd be in a service and I, God literally would give me an individual, like, like an individual prophetic word, like God give a direct message to every single kid in the entire place, a hundred kids in a row. And I got nothing. I'm empty. I don't even know what I believe anymore. I told you last week, I got two things I believe. I know that he is, and somehow I know he's still good, and I don't even know if I like him right now. But I know he is, and somehow I know he's still good. But in my emptiness, in my weakness, when I had nothing, he was so strong, so powerful in that place. 
So Paul said we have to learn how to embrace our weakness. See, I'm wondering if some of us have been trying so hard to hold on to our strength and it's fake. It's not a real strength. It's, it's a fallacy. It's a, it's a fake identity. It's a, it, it's, I'm about to mess with somebody. You're holding on to a strength. You're holding on to your race, thinking that's your strength. You're holding on to your gender, thinking that's your strength. You're holding on to your sexuality, thinking that's your strength. You're holding on to your vocational identity, thinking that's your strength. Can I tell you that all of your temporary identities are false identities that don't get to make it to heaven? They're fake IDs. They don't go to heaven. The only ID that gets you into heaven is Jesus. It's the only true identity. That's why Paul says for me to live is Christ and for me to die is gain. He didn't say for me to live is male. He didn't say for me to live is Roman Jew. He, he, didn't, he didn't pull out his... There were times when Paul would say, hey, no, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pull out my Roman card. He pulled out his Roman card. Paul had a Roman card. He could pull it out. I'm actually a Roman citizen. Pull out this card, use it real quick. You just beat me unjustly, pulling out my Roman card, gonna use it. But guess what? That one might get him a meeting with the magistrate, but it can't get him to heaven. It's a fake ID. It's a temporary identity. And we can be holding on and building our whole life structure around a temporary thing, thinking it's our strength. How about your past business success? Oh man, business success can be real fleeting. How about your identity with a successful relationship? Man, marriage can change real quick on you. I don't know if you realize this or not, but you can't control that other person one bit. I don't know if you realize this or not, but some people are just crazy. <laughs> what, 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 what if your identity is in your money? What if your strength is in how successful you become and how much money is in the bank? And then, and then what happens when the economy shifts or industry changes and that stuff isn't there anymore? What if you've got this whole thing and you're thinking you're stronger than and the whole thing is built on a house of cards? It's all fake. Paul said, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness. When I'm weak, then I'm strong. I told you last week that, man, my, before my daughter died, my God, I was the Pharisee of Pharisees. Man, I was such a good Christian. I followed every rule. 
dotted every I, crossed every T, fasted. Oh my God, did I fast. Unbelievable abstinence in so many things. And when my daughter died and I felt like, forget all of it. It doesn't matter. It doesn't make a difference at all. And the pendulum swung so far over here. Just, I mean, I'm like, none of it matters. None of it matters. And, 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 and what can I, can I be real, real with you guys? Real, real? I was in a dark place. You know what grows in the dark? Sin. <laughs> Mushrooms. That's really good, Randy. <laughs> Mushrooms grow in the dark. Was that you? Thank you, Dr. Rick. Thank you, Dr. Rick. Mushrooms definitely grow in the dark. And mushrooms apparently can get you high. Apparently, we need to go to Dr. Rick's house for some pizza, magic pizza. Oh, my goodness. Barb does have a fabulous garden. Oh, thank you, Rick. Sin grows in the dark. You spend a lot of time in the dark and your sin nature will grow. Jesus said, if you walk in the light, you won't stumble. Jesus said that people rejected him because they loved the dark. When we get mad at God, we a lot of times run to the dark. Did you know that all of us have a little bit of a dark side? in our nature? Anybody hard on yourself? Anybody got a side of your personality you don't like? Anybody got some bad habits you probably don't want anyone to know about? So I have a coach. Um, I mentioned him. I mentioned earlier. And um, I was talking to my coach. I talked to him a couple times a month. And and. You know, it's hard to be a pastor all the time. People expect you to act a certain way and they judge you if you don't. I mean, you guys get to be, you know, business people and you can say whatever you want to say and you're just a business person and get away with it. Dave can say anything, wear whatever he wants to wear, act how he wants to act. But, you know, pastors, they judge you, you know. You know, a business guy can drive a $100,000 sports car and he's a good businessman. He must be a great businessman. A pastor drives a $100,000 sports car and he's a horrible pastor. Must be stealing all that church money. Look at him go, that horrible pastor. That ain't fair. That's why I have a side business. You you guys can't tell me what to do. I make money on the side, do whatever I want. (laughs) Shut up. (laughs) And I buy really old cars, so they're not that expensive anyway. Anyway. um, but it's nice to have a place where I can talk to somebody and I don't have to talk like a pastor and I can just get it all out sometimes. Is that okay? I ain't gonna tell you what I say, but I need to just get it out sometimes. And I'm talking to him and, I, and uh, you know, and, I, and he's like, and, I'm in, and it's like, man, I judge myself. Oh, God, I'm so hard on myself. I judge myself really hard. And um, my coach is like, you know, Joel, you, he goes, he goes, there's this other side of you that you, it's like you hate this other part of you. 
He goes, but that other part of you got you, got you through some really dark times. It's part of your self-defense mechanism. He called it, he called it my, my shadow self. Wow, kind of weird, creepy, spooky, shadow self. I don't know, think about this, what is this, new age? What are you talking about? Weird stuff. I don't know if I'm weird shadow self. And uh, so I'm like, oh, okay, keep talking. And uh, he says, you know, uh, he goes, you can't, you, you can't, you gotta understand that there's, th- there's gonna be dark sides of who you are that are there. And they're never gonna, they don't go away, Joel. It's part of your, na- it's part of your human nature. There's, every human has bad parts of their human nature. It's just, it's, it's a bad part of them. But it's, but it's a part of them and it, it doesn't go away. You gotta learn how to live with it and be the good part of you. Be that, don't go be that just, he goes, it's don't, don't go be the bad, the bad you, but it's just there. It got you through. It was your protector. But go be the good part of you. But quit. But you can't, you can't live in self-hatred. Oh, there's a lot of people that live in self-hatred. Self-loathing. Listen. Jesus said, there's one way to please God. Love God and love others as you love yourself. If you loathe yourself, you can't love others properly. So you can't hate yourself and love others the right way. You've got to figure out a way to come to, to, to men's, to come to grips with who you are, good, bad, and ugly. And the reality is you've got some parts of your nature that aren't good and it ain't going away. And it's actually in the Bible because Paul dealt with it too. Romans chapter seven, Paul talked about his nature. Romans 7, verse 14, Paul, one of the most influential, probably the most influential Christian that ever existed on the planet, wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. Incredible godly man. Wrote this. We know that the law is spiritual, but I'm unspiritual. Sold as a slave to sin. I don't understand what I do. For what I want to do, I don't do, but what I hate, I do. And if I do what I don't wanna do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. For I know that good itself does not dwell in me, that is in my sinful nature, my shadow self. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I can't carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I don't want to do, 
It is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. So I find this law at work, although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself in my mind am a slave to God's law, but in my sinful nature a slave to the law of sin and death. And then he goes on to say this most unbelievable thing. He says, therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because through Christ Jesus the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. You are going to have dark sides of your personality, dark sides of your sin nature. But what Paul talked about is what I call holy disassociation. He said, it's not actually me. That shadow self, that self-preservation, that sin nature, that flesh, that, that part of me that was developed to protect me when I was abused, when I was hurt, when I went through that thing, that's not the real me. That was a fake me. That was a self-preservation me. That's the sin nature in me. It's not really me. It's sin in me. But the real me wants to do good. The real me wants to live for him. The real me, and that's the me. See, here's what the enemy wants to do. The enemy wants to convince you that you are your sin. That's the greatest fake ID there is. If he can get you to accept your sin as your identity, then you never have to quit it. You just embrace your sin and live in it. But if you can disassociate with it, recognize that it's as long as you have flesh, you will always have the desire to sin. But it's not the real you. Because that's the, that's the temporary. Your, your sin nature doesn't get to go to heaven. Your spirit nature goes to heaven. You get a new body. My new body is going to be six foot three and chiseled. I mean, ripped. Thick hair. Tons of it. Here's the reality. Some of you may, some of you may be living still to this day with some unholy vows, unholy inner vows. Things that you said, I'll never. Some of you may be in this place and, and you've, you've prayed those prayers like I prayed and say, I know I just can't make it through. I can't make it through. And then maybe you similar to me, you found that you had to go through some of those things and you, maybe you're still angry. But can I tell you something? You're still here. You're still here. And the thing you thought you couldn't make it through, you actually did. You actually did. You did make it through. So you know what happened to me? When I realized that I made it through, the thing I knew I couldn't make it through, 
all of a sudden I realized I can make it through anything. Guys, I can lose everything. I can lose everything. I can lose anything. I don't want to. I don't want to. But I can make it. I can make it. All I need is Jesus. I don't, need, I, don't, I don't have to keep money. I don't have to keep cars. I, 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 I want to I keep my family. But I've already lost. I want to keep the church. I want to keep my friends. But guys, all I need is Jesus. That's all I need. You can make it through anything. Amen? Amen? Well, let's... Let's, uh, I want to have the worship team come back up and let's, let's worship. For, I'm, that last song that we sang earlier, I want to, was it the All I Need Is You song? Can we go back into that one? That was kind of a perfect song. Isn't that amazing how the Lord does that? And they didn't, they didn't even know what I was preaching on. Father, would you just move in this place? Would you just heal hearts in this place? Father, would you remove scales from hearts? Would you remove the hardness of hearts? Father, anyone that's got some, maybe they got some arrows in their back from people that have, that have shot and attacked them from behind. Maybe they've been stabbed. Maybe they've been hurt. Maybe they've been let down. Maybe they've been abused. Maybe they've, been, uh, they've gone through some type of, 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 of situation like I went through. Maybe they've had loss or death. Father, maybe they've got years of disappointments. Father, I ask you right now to begin to do some type of surgery on their hearts, Father, and soften their hearts and remove the injuries from their past that have been caused. Father, layers and layers and layers of injuries in their hearts. Father, right now, begin to do a supernatural surgery inside of their spirit and their soul and their body in the name of Jesus and draw them back to you right now. Draw them back to you. Bring them into a place of forgiveness. Bring them into a place, Father, even forgiving you. Father, the times and the places that it felt like you maybe left them, felt like maybe you abandoned them, Father, but you didn't. You knew what the recipe was. Father, you allowed them to walk through the dark because you were making something great in them and you were showing them that yes, they could make it through and now they can make it through anything. They're unstoppable. They've got you with them and they're stronger than anything the enemy could ever throw their way. Father, continue the work that you've begun in them and perfect them in the name of Jesus. Come on, let's worship the Lord. We pray this message has blessed your life and if it has, we want to invite you to sow into what God is doing here at Oaks Church. It's as simple as going to oakschurch.com and clicking the give button. On behalf of Oaks Church, thanks for listening and have a great week.